Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Avoid Crisis Podcast. This is episode 13. It's a big day because today we have Paul Capusta from Stadium Tech Report, who's our special guest today. And I'd like to introduce you to Ray, who's uh, another host here, Paul. And just as a background, Paul has been um, a journalist and writing for all kinds of different uh, technical communication type pieces in a number of really big magazines until finally starting his own business and uh, website. And uh, he's been dealing with a lot of uh, key sports people. And I uh, want to thank you, Paul, for helping to get the uh, 49ers that uh, Super Bowl stadium pick. Thank you very much for the influence. <laughs> And uh, really appreciate that. I know that you also uh, have done some things here with the, the Giants recently, but uh, wanted to have you on the show. And we want to talk about just, you know, maybe some history on what's happened just with wireless connectivity. People have a lot of different expectations of, you know, what it should yes. be like when they get to the stadium. Why don't you just take us a little bit through, you know, how things have shifted and changed and, and also point out, too, you know, from the standpoint of, you know, an avoid crisis, we're thinking about you need to, you know, think. Um, and then what you have to do is you have to um, make some decisions, decide, and then you have to act. So you don't want to end up going all the way from tailgating up to uh, get through the gates there and realize <laughs> that you don't have your tickets or you didn't bring your phone that has the mobile right. tickets or whatever. So let, let's talk about some of those issues. Sure. Um, thanks, first of all, for having me on the show. Uh, appreciate it. Nice to meet you, Ray. Alan, um, good to reconnect. We knew each other way back in the past as uh, wannabe sports writers. Actually, we were good sports writers at the time. They're just sure. We didn't know the newspaper business was dying, so <laughs> we can go on. Everything but, went um, digital, right? Everything went digital, and you yeah. know, those dead trees just stayed growing as trees, I guess. Um, I, I can I can definitely give you a quick recap on the whole, you know, the just the whole wired at stadiums, and and I think still to this day, many people go to a stadium expecting there to be no connectivity because for years and years, and you know, for those of us who have been around for some years and years, you know, that was that was the thing, right? You went there, your phone didn't work, you couldn't talk to anybody. Wasn't a big problem because you were mostly just watching the game, but. I, Will, you know, we've been, we just had our sort of like our 10th anniversary here at Stadium Tech Report. And over the last 10 years, pretty much any venue of what I would call sort of a size, like a pro NFL venue, um, pretty much every hockey, NBA arena, and certainly all the Major League Baseball stadiums, all now have really good levels of connectivity. It does vary from place to place. Some are exceptional others are you know just sort of catching up but you really can as a fan should expect that you have some kind of decent connectivity at an event and that's either via wi-fi provided by the stadium or just via cellular because most if not all stadiums of size have both there so you know right now just to sort of address it off the top you know, forget about what happened in the past Go use your phone. Try to connect. There's, you know, there's usually signs, instructions, helping you get five. Most places don't. You know, when a lot of this started, a lot of places asked for emails. They wanted to harvest the data. Most of them just don't do it anymore. Now it's an amenity like running water, like bathrooms, like electricity. You go there, you connect to the Wi-Fi, you connect to the cellular, and you know you can do all the things you wanted. Um, 
for social media and that, and you know, I think as we'll get to here in this discussion, it, it's also something that's you know sort of a must-have for crisis communication situations. Yeah, I mean, maybe you can talk a little bit about uh, you know just the whole point of access, and you know maybe some of the journeys that these uh, stadiums and and their uh, management has taken to try to address security concerns. And then at the same time, I mean, you're also talking about this 10-year period of growth and acceleration of capabilities in both wireless and other communications around the area that also was impacted by COVID, which had uh, security restrictions as well, right? And so there was a lot of changes there that had to be addressed as well. Yeah, and I think historically, you know, when a lot of this first started coming out, um, you know, people putting Wi-Fi in stadiums more cellular. You, you had some real visible pushback. Mark Cuban, you know, the owner of the Mavericks down in Dallas, was one of one who's very outspoken, saying, "I don't want people looking at their phones during the game. I want them watching the game, cheering." But you know, as as we've come to to figure out, people don't actually watch their phones that much at the game. The, the whole reason for having um, connectivity and is one for social media. You know, people like to stay in touch. People like to, especially the big game. You know, I'm here at the Super Bowl and you're not. That's a very key, you know, <laughs> necessary item. But um, but really, it's it's just to sort of uh, foster and enable just the current day mode of getting to and getting around the stadium. I, I mean, you know, ten years ago, Uber wasn't a thing, right? But now sure. you come into a game or come out of a game. And you know, there's there's everybody's trying to get a ride. They're trying to get a an Uber or a Lyft. Right. Um, you know, digital. You mentioned COVID, and you know, COVID was as unfortunate as everything was. And with the shutdown, once the stadiums reopened and we're letting people back in, COVID was like the you know the response to the pandemic concerns were like jet fuel uh, to digital technology adoption. Stadiums, which had been sort of trying to um, you know, put in digital ticketing for all the reasons that it helps them. All of a sudden, went 100% digital ticketing. You know, this this did create some initial problems, right? Because I think, as you said, people would get to the gate and go, "I didn't download my ticket." And if there was one place where a lot of stadiums didn't have good connectivity for a while, it was right outside the gates. So you have a combination of everybody trying to download their ticket in a small space, low connectivity. <laughs> big lines and you know after covid lines were like you know anathema you know people just did not want to be in lines and um you know some point some places there was some you know unruly behavior at one stadium uh wi-fi went out people trying to download tickets couldn't do it the game was starting it was a big game you know big college you know top 10 matchup and the fans just pushed past the gates there's a, there's more of us than there are of you and they just Went through the gates, and uh, so yeah. So to your point, you know, planning ahead. I think both the you know the venue saw what happened, and now you're seeing this. You know, pretty much every stadium has responded. They've added lots of connectivity right outside the gates. They have done some things like I know Sofi Stadium out in Los Angeles. um, They've actually perimeter area saying download your ticket here where they have, you know, focused Wi-Fi connectivity that's farther out from the gates. So people are starting to get in their heads, oh, yeah, I got to download my ticket, and they do it right before they're standing in front of the doors. 
And then, you know, there's an education on the fan side as well too, right? It's like, you know, know, know what, how you're going to do it, know how you're going to connect. Am I going to connect on Wi-Fi? There's, there's, frankly, there's still a lot of people who don't even know their phones have Wi-Fi. Um, so uh, <laughs> there's, there's a little bit of user error going on. But, you know, I think you're, you're seeing some rapid corrections. And I would say, you know, even things that were a problem a year, year and a half ago, and we're just not seeing any of that now. Right. Hey, Paul, this is Ray. And again, thank you for joining us here on Avoid Crisis podcast. Um, Love the material on your site. Just for our listeners, I want to repeat, it's stadiumtechreport.com. Just just how it sounds. Really great information there. Um, And I want to take us through the process. We're talking about entry. Um, And I've noticed this myself uh, uh, clear is there's there's a lot of alternative third-party tools now that are being used for security and access and to speed things up, Clear being one of them. Um, how, how have you seen this trend going and where do you see that going as well to get masses of people into a singular point in a short period of time efficiently, but also safely? Where do you yeah, see it it's, going? It, it's really, it's, it's interesting. It, it's really picked up on on several fronts and you, and you mentioned Clear. Clear is you know, one of the technologies, because people, stadiums looked at this and said, how do we get rid of the lines? Where are the choke points? And, you know, clearly one of them was security for years and years, ever since the, I guess, um, since the Boston bombings was when we, you saw security being, you know, air type, airport type security being added to stadiums. So it's been maybe about, you know, eight or nine years now that this has been happening. But what was the only thing they had to buy? They bought these regular metal detectors. So what did that mean? You walk through, you know, there's a beep. You had to stop. You had to take your keys out. You had to put your things in a bucket. That went on the side. You know, you had a purse or something that had to go on the other side. What what you're seeing now is is technology sort of stepping up to the plate. And the security side, um, a couple of companies are, have really done a really interesting job. One is called Evolve Technologies, and they're sort of the leader in this space. Um, the other one is called Extract One, but you have gates up where you just walk right through. You don't stop, nothing out of your pockets, nothing out of your bag. These things, are they, they look like big flat panels. And if you've been to SoFi Stadium, they're, they're in a lot of stadiums, about, about 20 um, stadiums have implemented the Evolve stuff over the last year. And you, know, you don't really notice them if you're not looking, you know, because it's not, they're pretty wide. The lanes are pretty wide. Multiple people can come through at the same time. Um, so, you know, Evolve's sort of corporate motto is, you know, security at the pace of life. You're just walking. But they are secure. You know, they use a different technology. They're, they don't describe it fully because they don't want to give away all their secrets, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, it's, you're starting to see some of these things in, in airports, too. Um, now, is you know, there just, just thinking of that as, like, you're walking through this area, and if somebody has something that is, let's say, a foreign object that needs to be investigated, is there somebody that's monitoring a device somewhere and says, okay, stop this person, and there's somebody there, excuse me, sir, excuse me, ma'am, would you, uh, is, I mean, how does this work? Yeah, it's, and this is, you know, this is part of the issue. It is a different process. So there's somebody with the Evolve system and also with the Extract One system. Instead of having the agent right next to the gate, you know, where the beeping is, they're sitting about usually about 10 feet away, 
you know, as the person's walking towards them, they have a monitor. And I've, I've been in the back and watched this, and the monitor will not just show that there's a problem. It'll show where it is on the person. So if like they have something in their pocket, if there's something down in the leg, there'll be a little indicator there. And then the staffer says, and there's usually like a second shoot. And they say, sorry, we need to give you some more, you know, scanning. So it's, hmm. it's, okay. and, and I've written about this too. It's like, these things are really great, but you need both more training on the stadium side because it's an entirely different way of doing things. And, and it's a little bit more, you know, people are like, oh, I'm through, I'm fine. And, you know, you have to sort of really grab them and say, no, you're not. But then it's also education of the fan, right? Sure. You, you need to, like, there's people who start walking through these things. I was at a Broncos game last year um, watching them, and the Broncos have a similar uh, walkthrough from a company called Chia. It's an Italian company that made all the old um, uh, metal detectors. And people would, like, stop in the middle, put their hands up, you know, <laughs> they're holding their phones in their hands because they don't understand, right? Nobody, right. There was education. And my thing has always been in the stadium, like, you got to educate the fans. You know, send your season ticket holders an email, tell them, explain this stuff, how it works. Because it's the first time you go through it, it just, you know, it, you're like, what's going on? Am I secure? Did, did, aren't I supposed to go through some kind of metal detector? So mm -hmm. it, it takes a little bit, but usually, like, it's one of those things where once you do it once or twice, you, know, you figure it out. Or if you're behind and you watch people in front of you, you know, I guess you just watch, walk through. But yeah, there's a learning curve and it's, it's definitely, yeah. but it's so worth it. I, I mean, I think the stats are something like with a regular metal detector, you can get through like maybe 60 to 90 people, um, you know, in an hour. And with these new ones, you can get up to 3,000, 4,000 people wow. just walking through. So, so really reducing the, the throughput there. Um, so it, yeah, increase, increase the throughput. Increase the you, throughput. you reduce the time. Yeah. But here's, here's the problem. So now you have all these people flying through security. What are you doing with ticket? Because yeah. now you got digital ticketing. Do I scan well, it? Do I hold my NFC? Um, you have know, more people coming to the ticketing thing at right. one time than you did before. Um, so there's, there's, you know, even though a lot of it's digital, there seems to be a lot of manual kind of oversight that happens as you're going through the ticketing gates as well. Somebody's kind of, oh, you're not holding your phone right, you know, twist it around this way, right. uh, you know, move it over towards this way and you can go ahead and you're like, okay, when's it going to beep and turn green and when is that turnstile going to open so I can go through? <laughs> now you have people that are behind you. They're anxious to get into the game. Uh, you talked about bad behaviors um, and I think that the bad behaviors and time expectations, you know, you've been out yeah. In the tailgate area, now you're coming in. You want to hurry to get in. You don't want to miss any of that pregame, you know, the yes. announcements, whatever, or whatever you're trying to get through. And you don't want to waste a lot of time just trying to pass through. But um, isn't that really, as you mentioned, the choke point? Isn't that still a choke point? It, it is, and it can be. But um, so there's there's two ways that stadiums are, are sort of countering with this. One is that they're starting to put security perimeters much farther out. Like the Broncos went from being right next to the stadium gates, and then they went and put the security perimeter. The stadium sits on kind of the top of this little hill, and they put the security perimeter way out at the hill, creating this big sort of, you know, open plaza area in the middle. SoFi Stadium has done the same thing. Um, I don't know if you've been out there yet, but it sits on this huge sort of 
plaza campus and building up all kinds of you know, retail and, and residential stuff around it. So they have a lot of space and, and they move the security way out. So you scan security instead of going right into a line, you can kind of wander around. There's like concession stands. There's, you know, so there's not a great crush right away. But then the second thing is, you know, technology is also addressing this. And, you know, I think, again, it's, it's one of those things, there's no single way yet to get into a stadium. You go to one stadium, it's got one kind of scanner. You go to another stadium, it's, you're scanning a QR code. You can do NFC, which is near field communications, where you just hold up your phone and it does a radio signal. And I think it, it rayon was who mentioned, there's also um, some stadiums are now using facial authentication technology where like clear you sign up, you know, take a picture of your face and then you attach that to your ticketing thing. And then when you walk up, it's actually like usually just like an iPad or something and you look at it then the iPad says, you're good to go. And you just walk by. Cleveland Browns have been doing this. Uh, the New York Mets have been doing it. Uh, Columbus Crew, who's a, a soccer team. They, they last year, two years ago, they had both the Evolve um, security gates and the facial authentication from, there's a software company called Wicket that's um, one of the leaders in this space right now. And it was amazing because I went to a game and I'm sitting inside behind all these gates, but you know, I wanna see how this works. And there had been a big rainstorm. So there's a huge crowd of people waiting to get in the main gate, but they had the facial authentication, they had the Evolve, and they had pretty good um, buy-in from people who were just doing scanners. It was a, hold it up, you know, it was a, it was a pedestal, not somebody with a hand scanner. Mm -hmm. And they had about 20 gates. And I swear to God, that whole crowd was inside the stadium in 10 minutes. It was just, wow. it was simply amazing. So wow. it's, it's a combination. It has to be a combination of process right. and technology. And I would say the third thing is education, mainly for the fans. Yeah. I mean, you, you can know, educate your staff, but you got to let the you fans know. know. Paul, you're an expert in this whole field. And so I, I do have a question for you, which is, you know, does weather somehow impact the whole connectivity and wireless at the stadium? I mean, as an example, in Green Bay, would you end up getting frozen out? Not just because Aaron Rodgers has left, but really, you know. <laughs> or, or your beer freezes. No, um, generally, um, you know, weather doesn't really affect it too much. Snow can sometimes slow down Wi-Fi, but um, really the only thing that would keep you from using your phone is the fact that your fingers would freeze when you take it out. Um, <laughs> yeah, weather is not usually a problem. Bright sunlight is, is a problem with the scanner. So I, I don't know. I have a great story. When the Niners um, opened Levi's Stadium. They had this new, whole new system with an app and scanners and the company, there was a company called uh, Venue Next. And they had these optical scanners, which were just really cool design, like white poles with a little thing where you'd scan your ticket. Well, you know, the, the, the main gate to get in to the Niner Stadium is on the west side where the sun was shining. And, you know, the first people started coming in, it was, you know, you put your phone out and the sun reflects, so it wasn't scanning the tickets. Oh, wow. And how they, how they, this was like for their first game. And how did oh, they wow. fix it? Somebody, this is a great story. Somebody went to the gift shop and bought like 40 visors, 49ers visors, 
put the <laughs> visors on poles to shield the thing from sunlight. It was a, it was wow. a focus thing. I was, it was like, well, that's low tech, high tech. But yeah, no, weather usually, weather usually does not affect it. Um, you know, what, what happens with the, sorry, Ray, I got another question here. What happens with the, the Super Bowl as an example? I mean, that's such a big venue. I mean, we know that next year it's going to be in Las Vegas, which is a new stadium, and it'll yes. be the first time there. I mean, I think, uh, you know, our hope and prediction is that it's going to be Brock Purdy from the 49ers going up against Jimmy Garoppolo at the Raiders because it's going to just draw in everyone. <laughs> no, no, now, all of a sudden, you have all these 49er fans who are going to be, like, getting their tickets uh, six months in advance somehow because, you know, they're all tech savvy. They know how to go about it. Yep. Right. They're going to get in there and they're going to want to be basically doing exactly what you said. Hey, I'm at the Super Bowl. Where are you? Uh, what's it going to be like for yep. the first time stadium to experience a Super Bowl? Um, you know, it should be no problem at all. And I only say that because, um, well, I can look back at the last couple of Super Bowls, and, and I think the one I really want to compare it to is SoFi, right? Because basically SoFi Stadium and Allegiant Stadium were built about the same time. SoFi is a little bit bigger in space. Um, you know, Allegiant is a little bit uh, smaller, cozier inside. But at the Super Bowl at, at SoFi Stadium, 82% of the fans were able to connect on Wi-Fi. At, and, you know, Simultaneously, they had something like 60,000 people all using the network at once. I mean, the people who have built these networks, there's a company called Anthink, which built both of the networks in that stadium. Um, coincidentally, they're one of our sponsors, uh, for full disclosure. Um, but you know, they've been doing this a long time. They've been at almost all the last Super Bowls for you know, as far back as we can remember, 10, 12 years. And, and there's a certain black art to designing these networks. There's also... You know, these places were built with these big events in mind. So SoFi Stadium is something like 2,400 Wi-Fi you know, antennas inside the stadium all set up. Um, Allegiant Stadium, which had great networks from the start, and they use a, a antenna for cellular stuff called um, Matzing Lens Antennas, which are these they're about three-foot to six-foot um, ball-shaped antennas. And they stuck those up in the infrastructure. It was funny. They painted them black and called them mini Death Stars because you know, the Raiders have this whole you know, Death Star thing. So they even have Death Star communications. But these things are really cool. They're, they're, you know, I don't want to get too deep into the weeds, but they allow the antennas to shoot straight down onto the people. And they're basically, um, the great thing about getting a Super Bowl is that the wireless carriers, namely Verizon and AT&T and T-Mobile, if they know you're having a Super Bowl, they don't want their customers to be unconnected. So they will come in the year before and dump, even if the network's great, they will come in and redo it and basically double it just to make sure their customers um, stay connected. So right now they're adding almost double the cellular capacity to Legion Stadium. I'm sure they're beefing up the Wi-Fi as well. Um, my, my guess is there will be no problem at all with connectivity. You know, the Cisco gear they put in there is Wi-Fi 6. Um, we're, we're starting to see across stadiums right now the real capabilities of Wi-Fi 6 um, bearing fruit because now the handsets finally all have Wi-Fi 6. And I don't know if you know that much about technology. We don't all the Wi-Fi 6 was a big jump ahead from Wi-Fi 5. And when you have a Wi-Fi 6 handset and Wi-Fi 6 antennas, you start seeing you know, big leaps in capacity. Ohio State, which is you know the biggest Ohio Stadium is 
pretty much the biggest stadium you know in operation. They have a Wi-Fi six network they put in three years ago, and I talked to Jim Null, who's the IT director there, and he said this year, you know, they did a game that was um, you know Super Bowl. It's still actually the most Wi-Fi in one one day was at uh, Ohio State. It was over thirty-five terabytes, and he said we're not seeing any. You know, we could have more. He's like we could we could do more. They're not they're not hitting the limit. So to answer your question in a long-winded way, there there shouldn't be any problem at all. But for the Super Bowl, you know these things are tested. These things have been done before, and I, I just think Allegiant will be great because they've really paid attention to the networks there. Wow, that's an amazing amazing volume of data. Thirty-five terabytes in it mm-hmm. for one event. Um, yeah. Sixty thousand people. That's that, that's pretty amazing. That's really cool. Um, we talked about entry and and getting rid of the choke points and the lines, and somewhere in there you mentioned about a beer. And you got me thinking about concessions. So the oh. next line I always run into at the at, at the venues is I'm trying to get a beer and it's a long line. What's technology? What, what, what are we doing with technology to get the beer line to go faster? Well, funny you should mention that because that's one of the things we've been covering just a ton of lately because after, who knows, 50 years of you know doing concessions the same way, you know, somebody passing a beer down the aisle and then you pass your cash back or you stand in a big line, you know, behind a guy who's buying hot dogs and popcorn and, oh, maybe, what, what did you want, honey? Um, there's a whole bunch of new technology. And one of the most exciting is the technology called checkout-free um, concession stands. And Allegiant Stadium is just putting in, uh, this is sort of unreported news, but they have... Um, four of these new stands from a company called Zipin, uh, which is one of the providers of the technology. Amazon also has a version of their Just Walk Out stores. And basically it works like this. You walk up to these stands and there's a little gate, like a turnstile. And you either scan a credit card or you can sign up ahead of time with an app. And you, know, you flash that at the gate, the gate says green, you go inside. There's usually coolers stocked with cans maybe some snacks. Some of these stores are a little bit more elaborate and they have like a hot food thing. And you go, you take what you want and you can put stuff, like pick something up. Nah, I don't want to put it back on the shelf. Take what you want and leave. And you're billed afterwards. The only, the only interaction you have with someone is to look at an ID. And even some of those places are using things like Clear, like the Raiders have a thing with Clear where you can order a beer in your seat take a selfie of yourself and, you know, connects with your driver's license. So the, 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 the checkout free store, those they're, they're amazing. Like you can get in and out of those things in seconds. Um, they've got them here in Denver and um, I won't say the number, but um, cause I don't know if I'm like clear to say that yet, but Allegiant stadium is more than doubling the stores they have now. So they're going to have even more of those stores. Um, they've been, it, it seems like we're doing a new announcement every week. Um, Team Mobile Park, which is hosting the All-Star Game this year. They had one store from Amazon last year. They put in three more this year. I mean, fans just love them. When, to your point, we've all spent way too much time in concession lines. When you see these things, people are actually taking selfies of themselves afterwards going, I've got this beer in 11 seconds. I can't believe it. That's um, great. So it's, it's cool. And then there's also some other stands that have, uh, there's a company called Mashin, that has these optical scanner checkout things. So in sort of a similar fashion, you go through a line, you grab your stuff, you put it on top of the 
tray of the scanner, it sees everything you have and gives you your total and you scan your card. So you don't have to swipe things like you do at the grocery store and you know, beeps and all that, it just sees it and you go. So again, the you know the venues knew they had a problem and, and these things are not just addressing the problem, they're also increasing revenues. That's right. Like, um, Barclays put one of these um, just walk, you know, check out free stands under a stairway where there was nothing else before. And according to Zipin, the company who's behind it, they were doing ten thousand dollars worth of revenue in a, in a basketball game. So now you know, Ray, about people drinking more beer. <laughs> you know, Ray, I know you had uh, recently been in an outdoor concert festival. I know you had some questions about concerts themselves, and um, maybe you can ask Paul about some of those. Yeah, there. yeah. So some some of the issues there was um, the ability to rendezvous with people, right? So you'd either text or call and say, "Hey, I'm over here, and where are you, and where are we going to meet up, and so on." And just just had a tough time. It it got to the point where we went old school, and we had set a default that said, "Look, right. if we're if we're not able to use our phones, you know, by three p.m., let's meet at this, you know, section." sign pole or whatever and and you know so we had kind of these old school default right. fail safes that we had to arrange ahead of time because we just couldn't rely on the it was a multi-day uh, multi-day event um so is it getting now to the point where we're not going to have that anymore we will be able to use our phones at, at all these kinds of venues um yes is the answer if is the qualifier if the venue um, you know, uses the technology, that's the thing. Because with, especially with an outdoor concert event like like a you know Coachella or Bottle Rock or, or right. outside lands, it, your problem is is either you don't own the venue if it's like a big park, or if it's Coachella, you're only there once a year, right? In right. one weekend, and to install say a wi-fi network around all the seating and make it work and put up the poles it, it's really cost prohibitive right to only run it once a year but the those matching lens antennas i was talking about um they were actually developed and first used at, at coachella for exactly this problem because they you can sort of aim them you actually don't even tune them you just aim them the laser so now if you like you've gone to Coachella, you'll look on the stage and you'll see multiple numbers of these big ball antennas and they can point them out into the crowd and say, hey, we're gonna cover this slice of seating area, we're gonna cover that that's the seating area. And so it can be done cost effectively because these things can sort of be moved around on trucks and and that's what the cellular companies do. And they'll like they'll put outside where the Super Bowl where they where they generally have the big fan fest areas. Right. around the stadiums to increase connectivity. So yes, it can be done. Um, will it be done? I think if you're Coachella, that's probably pretty well covered. Ball Rock, I know, is, is pretty well covered because Cisco is a sponsor there. Um, it might be a little tougher or harder lift in a place like Outside Lands where you're on you know, city park property and you don't own um you don't know the places to put cables or wires or anything like that. But the technology exists to solve that problem. It has been solved several places. Um, you know, it's, it's just a, it's just a business question for the event if they want to do it or not. Got it. Got it. And one of the thoughts that came to my mind is um, 
like whenever I use, whenever I'm traveling and I'm at an airport, I'm sorry. I just, I just don't trust airport Wi-Fi. Just, you know, it's just, you know, God, you're so many, I've heard stories. It hasn't yeah. happened to me, but I've just heard, I've heard enough stories where I'm not going to trust airport Wi-Fi. How, how secure and how trustworthy, I mean, can, can people do their banking, you know, over this Wi-Fi network and feel safe about that? Or do we still need to keep uh, a little bit of guard up as far as, you know, being able to get hacked or whatever? Pick up a yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't think, but I, I wouldn't say that I know for sure. Like, a, not that I've heard any stories like that. You know, the stadium networks are, are fairly... Uh, you know, fairly safe, but Wi-Fi networks are Wi-Fi networks, right? I mean, if you wanted to, you could camp. You know, the problem I would have is, you know, maybe like out in the real world or you know, in a place like an airport or something like that you could sort of be behind the walls and not be detected. I, I don't see that happening in a stadium, you know, where once people right. are in and out, right. you know, they lock the doors, and you're not bringing your laptop in or whatever. I mean, maybe it could be hacked through a phone. I would say, you know, doing your banking, sure, you could do your banking. Um, I think the stadium networks are, are pretty secure. And if you're really sort of worried about it, use your, you know, don't get on the Wi-Fi, but use your your, your Verizon or your AT&T or, you know, T-Mobile, whatever carrier you use, because those are inherently um, more secure. And when they put these networks into stadiums, they're basically, you know, the, the carrier gear is still all there. They kind of break it up into these smaller antennas so they can um, densify. They call it the signal, right. but you're still connected, you know, to the cellular network in the way you always were, and you know those those networks are, are pretty bulletproof these days. You know, Paul, I, I saw on the Stadium Tech Report where you've actually shown some of the download speeds and the upload speeds. And what was interesting to me on that was that you get what you pay for, right? In other words, if you're sitting in the best seats, you're getting the best connectivity. Uh, a lot of people Maybe. don't know that, right? Maybe. Maybe. I'll, I'll explain it. But yeah, I, I mean, if you're in a suite or a club area, you're pretty well covered. If you're up in the nosebleeds, maybe not sometimes. But actually, the hardest, you know, some of the hardest um, seats to cover wirelessly have been the ones right down next to the floor, especially in an arena, basketball arena or hockey, um, or in football stadiums, because you know, generally you can't put antennas there. There's nothing hanging over you. Um, so it's been, and, and, it's, and then if you have a concert on the floor, those have been, you know, historically, that's been a hard place to cover as well, because you can't put it or say where the basketball um, you know, floor or, or ice rink is or football field. However, in the last year, we've seen some new developments. Uh, the Matsings are one version of this, but Cisco has also come out with a new Wi-Fi radio that projects its signal farther than the old ones. So you are now seeing much improved coverage for those, you know, courtside seats. Who, you know, we, I was just looking at something like courtside seats for the final game in Miami are like thirty-three grand. I mean, if you're going to pay 33 grand, you're right. going to want to post that selfie. Um, but sure. now cover them from the top down, which was a challenge um, from before. But, you know, I, I would say democratically, you know, with a lot of the stadiums have the Wi-Fi done under seat. And even if you're up in the nose sections, and I've, I've done tests up there. You know, if you look under the row in front of you or the row back and you see that little box, um, you're probably getting a pretty good service because you're pretty close to the antenna right there. 
Well, you know, Paul, it's it's really uh, it's really great that you were able to come onto the show today. Um, you know, we go way back. I mean, back when you were with the Chicago Tribune and I was with the Chicago Sun Times, <laughs> we were writing our stories. We were up in the press box. Uh, you know, who, would, who would have thought that one day we'd be uh, on a podcast together talking at this kind of level of technical uh, type things. But I mean, your knowledge and awareness of all this uh, activity going on and connectivity and just how you've really become the expert in this field. Um, it's an amazing journey that you've taken. And uh, I've always appreciated your writing. And I certainly have appreciated hearing you today and sharing your thoughts with us. Uh, Thanks. How about for you? How about for you, Ray? What's this been like for you? Oh, it's been it's been fantastic. It's been an area that I've always wondered, like, why is it not a little more advanced? And it sounds like it's catching up real quick. Um, so thank yeah. you, Paul, for, you know, sharing this information with us and our listeners. Um, if I could just close out with one final question, let's look to the future. We've talked about a lot sure. of stuff in the past. What What's coming next? What should we be thinking about, um, you know, what, it, it, particularly as consumers and attendees at these events? Uh, what, what, what's, what's on the horizon for us? Well, I, I think you know, the thing I'd love to see, and probably won't happen soon, but when it does, you, know, you can see the technology underpinnings for it is you know, a single point of entry where you just walk up to a gate or a doorway to a stadium. And because you have your ticket on your phone, because the camera sees your face and knows your identity, you know, it takes care of your ticketing, it takes care of your security, and you know, maybe you know, it says to you, hey, Paul, do you want you know, beer and popcorn delivered to your seat when you get there? It's like, yes. Um, so to me, it's the convergence of these technologies because you still have these kind of islands of things that aren't you know, fully standardized. Or, you know, we all can get in a car, right? We know how to start a car. We all know how to drive it. There's not six different kinds of steering wheels. Um, so I, I think that's what I'm looking forward to is, is that kind of thing. And then the more personalized service that we've heard about this a lot, and I really don't see it happening that much yet. Maybe, you know, to the top tier season ticket holder, there is this kind of personal service, but I think everybody should have this kind of personal service. Like, Hey, Alan, you know, this is the first time, you know, you've been to Allegiant stadium, you know, would you like to try uh, playing the slots over at circus circus? <laughs> we can send a car for you over there. Um, so, you know, I, I just think there's, it's happening in other places in the real world. Stadiums always sort of trailed the real world, um, you know, technology-wise. I and mean, we've all been ordering food at fast food places and, you know, off screens for a long time. And it's now just coming to stadiums. So I um, see that kind of convergence of technologies to, to really, really speed things up and, and make going to the stadium you know, even more fun and less painful than it has to be. Sounds great. Looking forward to it. Um, uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. It's been great having you. That was fun. Thanks. All right. All right. All right. Thanks, thank everybody. You. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye.